Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. to not just a sports report more specifically it's time in the words of bruce buffer ufc 296 this is my predictions podcast uh we're gonna make it pretty rapid today Uh, i've got something i need to go to tonight just for like an hour or two but my goodness like i have to i have to do the predictions for this card and just the general chat Ian Gary pulling out with pneumonia. I mean, I shouldn't laugh. I really shouldn't. I'm not going to talk smack about Ian Gary today. I'll let other people do it. It's a a weird situation, but we don't know all the facts. And I'll be truly honest with you, and this is not to sound cool, like I feel like a fucking dweeb saying it, but this is just going to explain today's format, kind of my presentation, because this is not your conventional predictions podcast i smoked a joint i did some gardening and as a repayment a friend of a friend gave me some weed and it was much stronger than i thought so i'm really sorry if you're a cop fuck if colby covington's listening i'm fucked he's gonna call the cops but yeah so it's not your traditional uh thing podcast today but we're banging out the predictions and I have done all my study. Like, I've watched fucking a lot of tape and done a lot of due diligence, some research on maybe one person that I didn't know too much about, Shamil Gaziev. Everyone else, I've had a fair sample size, uh, even from watching the UFC for quite some time now. Uh, But when I first started doing the podcast toward the back end of 2021, uh, around the time Volkanovski and Ortega were matched up. Uh, Since then, I've done so much tape. So much fucking tape. It's been pretty wild. A little bit too much tape, honestly. Uh, One plan for the year ahead is to get a bit more balance, get all the tape in, but also uh, social. I like to go out and do fun things. So we're having a mix up tonight. Um, Yeah, final point is that I've seen plenty of these fighters. Does that mean I'm going to be correct with these picks? No, not at all. So, yeah. If you're looking at this from a betting angle, I just want to say I am looking at my picks today from a pure angle. I might put a little bit of dosh on it, but I'm not thinking from a betting perspective. I'm just thinking from what I've watched in tape. And one thing as well, like you can do tape, you can do research, but there are some things uh, that you just can't quite predict that you just never know that is the beauty of mixed martial arts and the best example of that leon edwards head kick against kamaru usman my pick for that kamaru usman by decision you can watch all the tape you can think it's gonna go one way and even if it is right up until the very end you just don't know main event leon rocky edwards back-to-back wins over Kamaru Usman at the peak of his powers. Yes, his knees. I mean, just a big situation there for Usman. Leon Edwards, the run he is on. You take out the accidental eye poke against Bilal Muhammad, who I believe undisputably has to be next for a title shot. Leon Edwards, Colby Covington, rears his head again. I have mixed feelings about Colby. I know he's a character at the press conference antics mentioning Leon's dad who was shot and killed when Leon was 13. It was just, yeah, I don't know. I like a mix-up. Like, I love when fighters are respectful, like the flyweight championship match between uh, Pantoja and Royval, who are matching up for a second time. A lot of respect there. Uh, and I just... When I watched the press conference live, I really didn't like it. And yeah, I know Colby's a character. 
But yeah, there's just heaps of shit. Like, I, I will usually watch UFC Countdown as well for pay-per-views to give myself some extra insight. Uh, but yeah, there's just some stuff and full respect to the police. I'm not a fucking hater at all. But when Colby's just like meeting the police and doing all this Trump shit, I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, I'm, I, that is not super relevant when I'm trying to make my picks, you know? Uh, but the dad comment was just... Now, like, I will say with bias, I, I want to see Leon fuck him up. But on the other side of that as well, one thing that I also love about mixed martial arts is when there is beef and you do have an, uh, an antagonist. You look at pro wrestling, you look at boxing, and when you actually have that bad guy to really ramp up the fight that, you know, some people may not necessarily be tuning in to see Leon Edwards, but they will be paying money to see Colby Covington get fucked up. And there is a beauty in that. Like, I do still, despite a lot of Colby's antics, very much appreciate that uh, nature of, like, Oh, fuck, I want to see you get knocked out, dude. Like, you're a kind of guy I'd love to see get knocked out. But he's tough as nails. Like, it's like, well, I'm not going to fucking knock him out. He, he would destroy me, for sure. His, his credentials. I'm sitting on the couch eating Doritos. So it's like, that beauty of a guy that's like, fuck, I want to see this guy get knocked out. But only one man has done it. That being Kamaru Usman. Uh, so Leon Edwards, Colby Covington, I am, after going through all the tape and interviews and press conferences, weigh-ins, I am fully invested in this card. And it is a shame that Vicente Luque and uh, Ian Gary is off this card. A great shame. The Ian Gary thing, yeah. We'll wait till he's, he's fighting again, because, yeah. I believe he has pneumonia, but yeah, it has probably been caused from being cyberbullied. I shouldn't laugh. The whole situation. Just Google Ian Gary, how to be a wag, if you want to know more. Because out of respect for him, I've never met him. I've never met his wife. And they could be the fucking best people on the face of the earth. A lot of people... Despite, you know, he's been kicked out of a few gyms or maybe not kicked out, moved around. When he is training with people and you see some footage, like he seems to be very much family orientated. But yeah, it's all, it's all thing. He seems to be passionate about his kids and his wife. But yeah, a lot of other storylines. I would have gone deep into it had he been fighting on this card, but... He's got pneumonia. Let's just lay off the guy and say, yeah, we'll see. Uh, another match that got scratched, the original opener, Randy Rudeboy Brown and Muslim Salikov. I think Rudeboy might have just got an illness, like got sick. So best wishes to Rudeboy. Let's get into this card. Rapid early prelims. These ones are going to be the fastest picks. Heavyweight opener. Martin Budai, 13 on 1. He has the UX, uh, UFC experience coming off a submission win. Since that joint, I have totally blanked on who he submitted. Was it Jake Collier? Uh, but th the point is, both these guys, Dana White Consender Series graduates, it's going to be Shamil Gaziev, 11 and 0. Martin Budai, 13 and 1. Uh, this, I think, was actually like the hardest one for me to pick. This is a rogue matchup, so I'm going to put the pick out there and just go for it because, yeah, I'm very curious. I'm going to take Martin Budai by decision. Shamil Gaziev, though, a lot of wins by knockout, a submission win to earn his contract on Contender Series. Uh, Tapology, which I don't really factor into my picks, but sometimes I'll have a look at. Like, this was a matchup where I was like, what are the people thinking? I was thinking Budai, people very much thinking Shamil Gaziev. And given that Budai is the one with UFC experience, this is Gaziev's uh, official debut for the promotion, Shamil comes in and wins this, boom. Like that is a very quality feather in your cap to get started. 
Uh, respectfully with heavyweight, huge discrepancy between, you know, Tom Aspinall, John Jones, and the guys at the top, and some of the guys at the lower end. And again, like I say that as a guy who would get fucking knocked out cold by any of these guys, but, you know, it's just... Shamil's not facing one of these guys. He's facing Budai, uh, who's been doing everything that's been asked of him. And these guys, you know, they're both on winning runs. Gaziev hasn't lost, but... Oh, fuck, sorry. Uh, Martin Budai. My stomach's rumbling. I think I need some food. Munchies. So I'm going to do this prediction, and I'm going to get some food so you don't have to hear my stomach rumbling. Martin Budai. I'm going to take him by decision. I, to be quite frank with you, have absolutely no idea what's going to happen in this one. But I, I think there's not as much of a huge first round finish chance as sometimes you typically get in heavyweight fights. I think these guys are very evenly matched. And whoever wins, this is a big spotlight. Despite being on the early prelims, a win here going into the new year you definitely set yourself up much better than if you lose. For Gaziev, if he gets it done, a great name on the resume to get started. He would go to 12-0. Boom, you got a prospect. Martin Budai takes away his O, continues to win at UFC level. All of a sudden, he's knocking on the door of a ranked opponent. I'm going to take Martin Budai by decision, as I've said, the best... Featherweights up next, Andre Feely, Lucas Almeida. A Feely significant reach advantage in this one, around 8 centimeters, same height. Feely's been around the game. Uh, he's basically seen a lot, like most things there are to see. But the thing with the UFC is, there's always new things to check out. Uh, so new, Lucas Almeida, 14-2, and two, had a bit of UFC experience. Uh, only one year between them. I'm, I've been feeling for Andre Feely, and that's not as a play on words. Uh, I think I follow, well, on the Not Just a Sports Report account, I follow Andre Feely. And someone fact-checked me if I'm wrong. I believe he lost his brother recently, who passed away. And even more so recently, his beloved dog. So, yeah. Thoughts go out to Andre Feely. Lucas Almeida will be game... This is a big name for his resume. Uh, I'm going to be taking Andre Feely by decision. But yeah, sometimes it's weird because we don't really delve in to fighters' personal lives. It's not things that we know about, but he could come out and get a finish, you know? They could be, could be back against the wall, been going through some shit, ready to unleash. So Lucas Almeida is going to have to bring the best version of, his, uh, version of himself that's why I said I smoked a joint for parts like that when I speak like that. Uh, but Andre Feely, by decision, we'll go with that. Uh, next up, Tagir Ulan-Bekov, 14-2, up against Cody Durden. Since that uh, Mikhaev loss, four straight wins. Cody Durden has been in exceptional form. You know, I think about that fight against Charles Johnson, very long and rangy opponent, a similar to what he's up against here, although much different skill set. Uh, and Durden just outmuscled him, controlled him throughout the fight. Uh, now, one of Tagir's only two losses was against Tim Elliott. Uh, we saw incidents where Elliott was grabbing the glove and things like that. Uh, but most recently, we saw Tagir come out, submit Nate Manus quite quickly. But Cody Durden's game. I, I actually think this is going to be a hell of a fight. Durden wins five in a row. Anytime you beat one of these Dagestani fellas, like, boom. Is together? Let me check. There are so many ranked matchups on this card. I would say Tagir is ranked. So let me, I've got it in front of me. Uh, okay, Tagir, where are you? 12th. Durden's 15th. Okay. Durden is already ranked. So that's the kind of card we're dealing with here. Early prelims. We have ranked competition. Durden wins. That propels him to a top 10 opponent next. And you would have to say, on the back of that, like you're working towards top 5, 
which is ideally where you want to be. Also throw in the fact, flyweight championship on the line in the co-main event. So big night for the division. I'm going Ulan Bekov uh, by submission. I believe Durden, three of his four losses have been by submission. Uh, but yeah, this could be an upset. I, do, I haven't looked at the odds. I would expect to get to be the favorite, but Durden in the form of his life. So yeah, I'm actually very excited for this fight. But I'm going to go with Tagir Ulanbekov by submission. Women's flyweight action up next. King Casey O'Neill, 9-1. The one being in her most recent outing against Jennifer Meyer. Up against the Queen of Violence. Ariane Lipsky, 16-8. and eight. eight losses. Four of those by decision. Four by knockout. Uh, the thing with Casey O'Neill, she has been dealing with knee issues, so it depends what version of her that we get. Uh, she has a stri- uh, slight strike, again, joint, um, reach advantage. And yes, this one, I must say, I think it'll be an interesting fight. Lipsky wins. It, it's the perfect win, and it's the perfect name for her to add to her resume at this point and what gets me so excited about this card uh, from pretty much here on out it's all ranking implications and a lot of fighters who this is their opportunity now despite having a lot of ufc appearances with a lot of eyes on this card i mean it just sets you up beautifully for 2024 so the winners all throughout this card they are in for a big push 2024. That's uh, so a big matchup, women's flyweight. Let me quickly check the rankings. Uh, one moment, bear with me. I wish I had like some elevator music. Uh, flyweight. Where are we? Goodness, bloody gracious. Are they ranked? Yeah, Casey is 12th. Casey is ranked 12th. Larian Lipsky not ranked, so. She's looking to break in. So Casey has to defend her position. If she wins, well, she's still around that top 10. If she loses, could be a big sliding doors moment where as she kind of falls a bit behind the pack, there are a lot of studs in this woman's flyweight division. I will tell you that much. One of my favorite divisions worldwide right now. Uh, but I'm gonna go with Casey, Scottish heritage, she also represents Australia. I'm a Kiwi slash Australian with some Polish heritage in there. So this is bias where, you know, I like to support local. And I'm going to go with Casey O'Neill by technical knockout. Uh, potentially decision could be the best bet. Um, and there is every chance Ariane Lipsky comes out here and makes a statement. So I am nervous about this one. And I do disclose there is bias in the pick. But I'm going to take Casey O'Neill by technical knockout. On to a very intriguing fight, bantamweight division, Cody Nolove Garbrandt, a former champion in the division, one of many in the most stacked division in the UFC, I believe. Uh, up against Brian Boom Kelleher, last fight on his contract, coming back, very quick recovery from a bad injury. I think, I can't remember what it was now. Fucking hell, neck or something, shoulder. Google it. Sorry, I know you may have expected me to tell you, but maybe Google. Sponsored by Google, I wish. Uh, but Cody Garbrandt, interesting, right? He totally outclassed Trevin Jones in his last fight. But Trevin Jones, like, it takes two to tango. And that night, Garbrandt's dance partner wasn't offering much. Brian Kelleher is the total opposite. This is a guy, uh, he said so, I've listened to interviews, like I said, done a lot of research for this, um, heard from what, or heard what both guys have had to say. Boom Kelleher's going out there, he's really going to push the pace. And you know, he's not outright looking for a knockout, but he is going to test the chin of Cody Galbrandt, which still... I guess is in question just given that Trevin Jones threw respectfully fucking nothing that really tested that. 
whereas Boom Kelleher, as experienced as they come, coming off two losses in a row, are Mario Bautista and Irma Namagomedov, fucking both pretty bloody good fighters, uh, last fight of his contract, win over Cody Garbrandt, I had a thought post-joint actually when I looked at this one, Kelleher wins, maybe he just has a look at the PFL who've just merged with Bellator, PFL didn't have a bantamweight champion, they're looking to advance that in the next couple of years, you get a win over Cody Garbrandt, maybe you uh, pitch a matchup with Patchy Mix, the Bellator bantamweight champion, and you get paid fuck tons more than you would, uh, I believe, if he beats Cody, is ranked or facing ranked guys. Uh, I think at 37 years of age, uh, like Kelleher, in the most dangerous division, bantamweight, I think it could be a great option to call the PFL shot and be like, I would love a fucking lot of money to fight Patchy Mix. And look, maybe you're not a household name, uh, and you, yeah, you've left the biggest promotion, but yeah, it seems to be a theme with these fighters, you know, they're doing this for their family and to set themselves up, so could be a good option, but let's focus on what's actually in front of us in the UFC, Brian Kelleher, Cody Garbrandt, this one could go either way, uh, boom, Kelleher is one you don't want to sleep on, I rate him very highly, but I'm going to go Cody Garbrandt by knockout. I think we're going to see a very fun fight. And I, yeah, I just feel if Kelleher is going to be testing that chin, I think Garbrandt, if he gets backed into a corner, it's like, fuck. He, he's learned not to be reckless. Defense is a big part of his game. Both guys will be technical. But yeah, I think if it turns into a dogfight, we're going to find out, does Cody Garbrandt still have that championship caliber? I believe he does, but I also think uh, that it is a very underrated opponent in Brian Kelleher. Kelleher has been submitted eight times, uh, but 10 of 13 wins for Garbrandt have been by knockout. So that's an interesting one stylistically as well. Uh, does Cody try and submit him? And on the other side of that, Kelleher, more of a submission guy, but does he look to knock Garbrandt out? Could be a 15 minute war. Uh, but I'm going to bang the pick out there. Cody Garbrandt by knockout. Ranked women's bantamweight action next. Carol Hosa up against, let me just quickly check, <laughs> Irene Aldana, who is coming off that loss against Amanda Nunes. Uh, that was a demolition, but Nunes has done that to a lot of people. Uh, coming up, we've got Raquel Pennington up against Myra Bueno Silva for the belt. Uh, but Irene Aldana ranked 5th, defending her position against Rosa, uh, who is ranked ninth. So top 10 action. Uh, this is a division, women's bantamweight, where if you rack up 2 or 3 wins, you're much more likely to get a title shot than, say, lightweight. Like, look at a guy like Benil Dariush or Charles Oliveira. Like, the runs that they had to get on just to get that title shot. It could take six or seven years. Uh, both of these ladies, very experienced now. I don't know which way this is going to go. Uh, we saw Hosa fight at featherweight in her last couple of fights. And for Irene Aldana, uh, look, other than that Nunes fight, there's been a couple of times she struggled to make weight or missed weight. And she was the last to the scales at the weigh-ins. She did get it done, though. Both ladies made the weight, uh, but that's why I find this one such a tricky one, to know what version, because if they both come at their best, it's still like, fuck, how do you separate them? I think they're very evenly matched, uh, so with not a ton of confidence, I'm going to take Irene Aldana over Carol Hosa. Winner? Well, they get to look forward uh, to pushing back toward title contention in Irene's case, or for Hosa, you're a fresh challenger. That's an interesting matchup. I'm going to go Aldana by, uh, what was it, decision. We'll go that. Uh, next up, featured prelim. 
This one's a banger. Uh, I'm sure if you're a UFC fan, you'll know who both of these guys are. But if you are not aware of these guys, this is a banger. Don't fucking, don't go anywhere during this one. Light heavyweights Alonso Manafield are just a menacing beast. Knocks people out in the first round. Uh, what he did to Misha Serkinov, that stuck with me. Holy shit. Going back and watching the tape, I was like, I am not talking shit to Alonzo Manafield today that much for free. Uh, where is he ranked is my question. 14th. Up against 15th ranked Dustin Jacoby. Uh, now, Alex Pereira, top of the division. He is now the champion. Fun fact, Dustin Jacoby actually fought Pereira in kickboxing. Interesting potential uh, narrative. Manafield, uh, as far as this year, it's his third fight. The other two against Australia's Jimmy Crute. First one in Perth, that epic pay-per-view card. A very interesting fight ended in a draw for Crute. He was relentless with the grappling uh, for Menafield with his power in striking, but his cardio started to fail him uh, toward the end. Although, despite his frame, uh, great cardio, Menafield, as well as Jacoby. Uh, when they kind of faced off, Jacoby a lot bigger. Uh, listening to interviews, Jacoby very confident in his skills, training at Factory X under Mark Montoya. Huge night for that gym with Roy Val also getting his title shot. And Jacoby's very confident that he can get this done, which he was in his last outing against Kennedy in Zechiku. Uh, now Kennedy looked poised uh, with a win over Jacoby to start to work toward contention. But Dustin Jacoby, the Hanyak, had other plans. Knocks him out in the first round. And yeah, that made me pay attention. And I've seen his whole body of work. Like, I've gone back, watched the tape. I've watched it live just as a fan sitting at home. But yeah, that told me, like, okay, Dustin Jacoby is truly ready to cook. Uh, and the confidence that he carried into that matchup, he carries into this one as well. But for Menafield, the second fight of his year, once again up against Jimmy Crute. Crute goes for the grappling. Alonso submits him. Uh, in that one, I felt very unpatriotic, but I had Menafield to win by knockout. The submission was a bit of an ace up the sleeve that he could lean on up against Jacoby here. But I think if it's pure stand-up, uh, if it gets past the first round, like I think both guys can end this very early. Menafield, that's one of his trademarks, just being able to floor guys. Uh, but for Dustin Jacoby, he is a guy, stylistically, who has matched up uh, with many people who are trying to take his fucking head off. Gonna be interesting. Winner of this works themselves towards the top 10. They've both been pretty active and could look to work toward, say, the top five around next year, this time next year. So this is a huge matchup. Uh, and as far as what the winner gets next, you'd have to imagine uh, it'll be a lot higher than the preliminary card. Featured prelim for a reason, uh, this one is going to be epic. I'm going to lean with Jacoby, just from the way he spoke in the interview. He's also uh, just watching the face-off. I don't know. I'm a huge Menafield fan. I've been picking him in his last number of fights. Uh, but the Hanyak, I think he's got something here. Could go 15 minutes, too. Uh, but fuck it. It's such a huge pay-per-view card. Spotlight position. Let us lock it in and move on to a mind-blowing main card. Will Bryce Mitchell uh, bring the Bible out? What's Bryce Mitchell going to do in general? What's Colby Covington going to do in general? Get well soon, Ian Gary. Our featured prelim prediction, Dustin J The rankings just don't stop. Main card, we got five fights. I am genuinely disappointed that Ian Gary and Vicente Luque are not fighting. Um, yeah, even not even just the press conference, that would have been an epic fight. And just, yeah, fuck, fuck, damn. 
damn, the ones we lost. When I watch it this weekend, I'll uh, pour one out for the fallen homies. It would have been an epic battle if two Brazilian fellas just fucking going at it. But we shall digress. Featherweight action, ranked fellas, Bryce Mitchell, Josh Emmett. Uh, Josh Emmett was originally supposed to face Giga Chikadze. Then this fight was supposed to be on the prelims. They get bumped up to main card opener. Of course, massive title fight coming up. Ilya Tepuria challenging Alexander Volkanovsky. Volk coming off, of course, uh, that headline loss against Islam Makashev, who is just, he's something else, isn't he? Have to give him that. He is, he is incredible. That's, that's just the tip of the bloody iceberg. Uh, but so is Ilya Tepuria. We saw what he did against Josh Emmett. Uh, and the thing is, like I said, I went back and watched a lot of tape. With Mitchell, I, I'd seen a lot of this tape before, watched the fights, very familiar with his game, uh, which is grappling dominant. But the funny thing is, with Josh Emmett, you just about have to kill this guy on the feet. Like, you have to fuck him up with the striking. Otherwise, he is a tough matchup for anybody in the division. Now, against Tapuria, he took so much damage. Uh, that was one thing I saw. I also went back, watched the Ayer Rodriguez fight. Rodriguez was on fire in that fight in Perth. My goodness. Um, when I watched it live, I was in New Zealand at the fucking pub, just drunk as shit. So it, it kind of, you know, I wasn't dialed into the fight and seeing just how crisp Yair Rodriguez was looking. Uh, but for Josh Hammett, 18 and 4. Two of those four losses, though, in recent times, he's still right in the title mix, but he's taken a lot of damage. Stylistically, though, that's what makes this one very interesting because Bryce Mitchell has not been known as the guy that's going to stand there and really, like, batter you, cut you open. He is so good at grappling, it makes total sense for it to take place there uh, whenever he fights. But can he get it there? Emmett does have fantastic wrestling. He's the only guy we've seen really stand toe-to-toe with someone like Ilya Tepuria, who was able to finish Bryce Mitchell. Uh, and looking at the rankings, Emmett ranked 6th, Mitchell ranked 10th. So for Bryce, this is his opportunity now to make a run toward the belt. He's a fresh challenger. Uh, he's only 26. Oh no, that's Ian Gary. <laughs> Fucking gee whiz. Uh, Bryce is 29. Josh Emmett, 38. Coming off two losses, he's still ranked just outside that top five. And I think with Emmett, what I would believe his perspective right now is, you know, what's the point in taking all this damage unless I'm fighting toward that championship belt? So this is as crucial and important as ever for Josh Emmett, who seems like he's had the best weight cut uh, of his career. He seems dialed in going into this one. Bryce Mitchell, you never know what to expect. He's coming in on short notice. Uh, but I believe, despite like my personal preference in this one as a fan, I'll be cheering Emmett on. My pick is Bryce Mitchell by decision. Uh, but it has to be grappling. It has to be like a jiu-jitsu masterclass. Similar, but in a different way, if that makes sense, uh, to Sean Brady, Kelvin Gastelum, where Brady just fucking worked the grappling. And we've seen Mitchell do it before. Like, he held Barboza down for a whole fight. Barboza, a very dangerous opponent. But if he can't get him down, we haven't seen Bryce Mitchell fuck people up. And that is, seems to be the only way to beat Josh Emmett, like watching the tape, like I said, and I mean this, like, I'm not trying to be fucking, you know, sensationalist, but you just about have to kill this guy to finish him inside the distance. Now, submission game, that's Bryce's way he'll be looking to finish, but I just think Emmett, he's got that dog in him, doesn't he? So I'm going Bryce Mitchell by decision, uh, but yeah interested mostly in how the striking plays out 
but my path to victory that I would see for Bryce would be either submit him or, you know, just win with grappling and take minimal damage because Emmett can knock a man out. So very big contest there. I'm going to take Bryce Mitchell by decision. Goodness gracious. There are going to be a few rogue fighter interviews, aren't there? Uh, after some of these guys and girls win. Next up, lightweight division. Tony Ferguson, Paddy Pimblett. Uh, this is one you could talk about for hours, right? Tony on a six-fight slide. Training with David Goggins. He's gone through hell week. Uh, maybe I'm mentally weak. I probably am, but I just... I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do hell week and then fucking fight someone. I'd be like, ah, if I have to fight someone right now in a cage, I might just not do Hell Week. Because, yeah, Goggins is just built different. And I'll be honest, I'm not one of those people who is super dialed in to his whole thing. I know a bit about it, but not enough to really comment. He'll be in the corner of Ferguson and against Paddy Pimblett. Like, this is just... It is the perfect matchup. Paddy is one of those guys who is skilled, uh, but his hype much larger than I think his like prospects of being like a dominant historic champion and things like that. But I like it for what it is. It's entertainment value. Paddy has gone from hero to villain. He looked very uncomfortable uh, against Jared Gordon, and it had been a week where some fans had started to turn on him. This time around, he looks focused. Tony Ferguson has gone through Hell Week. Everyone's going to be cheering on Tony. Will he take the gloves off? Uh, like a lot of people want him to. I am just... I'm not in the position to be like, take the gloves off Tony. Like, I'm not that guy. So, but yeah, it's... He's 39. Six fight slide. Serious step down in competition, but for Paddy Pimblett, I mean, this is his springboard, right? Now, instead of facing these guys that he's kind of rolling through, like a Jordan Levitt who got owned by fucking Chase Hooper, respectfully, uh, now, in 2024, off a win, Paddy against a ranked opponent. And we can start having some fun from a character point of view, which is what he brings to the table. Tony wins, it will be so emotional. It'll be, it could be the moment of the year. Honestly, like think back to when Lawler won, an absolute legend of the game, loved by all the fans, uh, and just a lifer who's been fighting fucking before a lot of fans nowadays were even born. And yeah, Ferguson, he's one of those guys, he's had an epic career. Hell Week intrigues me a lot. That does intrigue me. Um, of just putting yourself through that. And the biggest question, is Paddy actually good enough to put Tony Ferguson away? Uh, Ferg coming off that Bobby Green submission, but Bobby Green, that was at the very end of the fight, and we know how good Bobby Green is. Paddy Pimblett, he's still unproven at the highest level. And despite being on a six-fight slide, Tony Ferguson, I would still consider as the highest level at a point where 28-year-old Paddy the Batty finds himself right now. Uh, so I love the matchup. There has been some heat there. Uh, but yeah, with Ferguson, it's just, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's hard when, you, you know, everyone loves a guy like that. I have a Tony Ferguson shirt. I fucking love Tony Ferguson. And so it's like, yeah. Uh, it's weird. It's like I've never met the guy, but yeah, you feel. It makes you feel, which is what we love about MMA. Who fucking knows? This This one, the preview and my pick, is not the important part. The best part of this whole thing is going to actually just watch this play out. Watch them make their walk out, the booze for Paddy, the cheers for Tony, Bruce Buffer getting everyone riled up, and from the word go... I'm going to have my eyes glued to the screen. I think everyone else is. This could be Paddy's big moment. 
The UFC do like to matchmake that way, but it's one thing making a match in a fight against someone like Tony Ferguson. This is just different. Ferguson, he said he's going to fucking cut Paddy up. So this is something across Paddy's career he has never experienced. No matter where Tony's at in his career, this could be a brutal fight. But I think Paddy, I think he is going to have this springboard moment. I will cheer for Tony Ferguson with my fucking life. But I'm going to take Paddy Pimblett by technical knockout. I think he's going to be able to take it to the mat. Uh, and yeah, I don't really want to talk about that further, you know, but I'm going to take Paddy Pimblett. I think he'll be able to finish it. I hope he doesn't. I fucking hope he doesn't. <laughs> if Tony wins, my goodness, like, that is just what we all need. That is what we all need. But Paddy Pimblett going to spoil the party. And if he does, well, it's a big step up in 2024. Gonna take Paddy Pimblet by TKO. Moving on. Holy fuck! Shevkat Rachmanov, Stephen Thompson. This is another big one. Welterweight main event, obviously, uh, with the championship on the line. Leon Edwards, Colby Covington, Bilal next. Uh, UFC 299. Seems like fourth-ranked Gilbert Burns is going to be matched up against Jack Della Maddalena. Ranked 11th. You still have Gary and Luke uh, in the discussion. Kevin Holland in the mix. Sorry, I'm adjusting my chair. Uh, but Gilbert Burns, Jack Della. Fifth ranked, Shavkat Rachmanov. It has seemed the whole way through that his trajectory is to be the champion of this division. Stephen Thompson, so beloved. He is another guy on this card that I just, you know... I would not like to see lose. But I'm a massive fan of both. Winner, I think, position themselves like after Bilal. In Wonderboy's case, you beat Shafkat, you can absolutely call your shot and wait. I think, though, Bilal has to get his shot. I just believe in that, truly. And Stephen Thompson, at his age, you beat Shafkat, and it's like, okay, we know the main events tonight. Bilal versus the champion. I fucking want... I want next shot. Shavkat wins. It'll be interesting to see whether he waits. Or whether maybe they fight him. Fight him. Fucking hell. Against someone ranked just a little bit behind him. You know, maybe Jack Della beats Gilbert Burns. Or Gilbert Burns beats uh, beat Jack Della. And you could go Rachmanov against one of those two. Fucking imagine that. Jack Della, Rachmanov. Or Gilbert. Like, remember Gilbert and Chemayev? Fuck yeah. Uh, so this is highly, highly important. Top five position on the line. Top five is exactly where you want to be uh, as a potential title challenger. At 40 years old, Stephen Thompson, he believes he can do it. Shavkat's... Fuck, sorry, that's not my ass. That's my chair. I'm going to leave that in. Sorry. My goodness, I got too excited. Uh, Shavkat's finished all 17 of his wins. Never lost. Stylistically, uh, another banger. Because I believe on the feet, Stephen Thompson has the edge. Absolutely. Uh, there are still some holes in Shavkat's game that I'm sure Stephen Thompson sees in the striking department where he can absolutely capitalize. But... Where Thompson has excelled is on the feet, uh, and what has, in the last few years, uh, kind of prevented him from getting another shot and getting a fight with Kamaru Usman when he was the champion was when he went against grappling guys. Uh, Bilal Muhammad totally outclassed him in that department, and that is why, with a win over Shavkat, it's still like Bilal should get that shot because of that win. Uh, but Thompson, yeah, Gilbert Burns fight, another one that comes to mind. And I think Shavkat's going to take it there. If he doesn't, fuck Stephen Thompson. I think he is a real cheeky value pick here. But I'm going to go with Shavkat. His trajectory seems to be toward, at the very minimum, 
a championship fight in 2024. And yeah, that's a fucking epic fight. This whole card is so epic. Uh, and just as you go up, it gets better and better. I'm going to take Shevkat by submission. I am. But I again, I don't really know how this fully plays out. And that's the beauty of it. I'm most excited to watch it. The pick is just fucking secondary to the excitement uh, of the card itself. So shove cut by submission, but if Stephen Thompson gets it done. Two title fights. Wowee. Sorry, that didn't sound very excited. Two title fights. We are getting in the mix. We're pumped. We're fucking hyped. I am hyped. I truly am. It's one thing, like, as a pay-per-view approaches, I'm always keen on the matchups. But once I start listening to the fucking interviews and watching the tape, looking at, you know, professional records and all that shit going down the bloody rabbit hole, the more you dive into it, the more it's like, fuck, I can't wait to watch these guys fight, the girls fight. The best part is when they fight. <laughs> fuck yeah, sorry. Sorry, that was a harsh noise. I'm keeping harsh noises today. I'm sorry. I explained why. I don't I don't want to mention it again, but uh, harsh noises. I'll try to keep them to a minimum. Championship fight, flyweight, Booyah, Brandon, Raw Dog, Royval, up against a man who submitted him in the champion, Alexandre Pantoja, who knows a thing or two about really getting an edge over a fellow contender slash champion. Uh, 3-0 against Brandon Moreno. 1-0 already against the challenger Brandon Royval, Factory X product. Up against American top teams, Alexandre Pantoja. Uh, without knowing these guys, just from everything I've seen, especially in the lead-up, I have a lot of respect for both of these guys. They have a lot of respect for each other. Uh, I know the crowd sometimes, which I'm like, I understand, but I'm like, eh. Sometimes they'll be like, USA, and like, boo the other guy. Or like, we love Moreno so much that when Pantoja beat him for the title, you know, he was getting booed, but then you see his whole family there, and he kind of tells a bit of his story, and it's just like, in a moment like that, during the fight, you know, fuck yeah, it's like, USA, or like, Moreno, and you want to see them fucking get the win, but yeah, in a moment like that, fuck. We should be more uplifting. We should be more uplifting and, yeah, really cheer them. Both these guys have been respectful. Uh, I think that's because they fought before. Royval, despite losing... Fuck, my chair is so squeaky. Sorry. Royval, despite losing the first, genuinely believes he's better in all areas. Mad submission game. Both of these guys, huge finish factor. That's what they do. That's what we as fans love. They come out and get the stoppages. They put on the performances that we, as fans, love to tune in to. But I think this could go all five rounds. And usually I'll go for a finish in a flyweight fight, especially five rounds. But fuck. Yeah, I think there's a lot of respect there for their skills. I think there's, a, there's so many ways this could go. Like, all areas of the fight, these guys are capable of stopping it. Brandon Royval on a three-fight win streak. Uh, after going back-to-back -back losses, suffered a uh, shoulder injury. It kind of popped out at the end of the round against Brandon Moreno, who would go on uh, to really rise to stardom. Then, to try and uh, bounce back, he'd go against fellow contender turned champion Pantoja, who was able to submit him. Uh, then a split decision against Bontarine. Uh, I'm trying to think what was between that. Uh, but I know the most recent, he fucking, it was unbelievable. Knees Nicolau in the face of the Mateus variety. Uh, and then punches him with an epic follow-up. First round finish. And we have our flyweight. <sighs> I had some, a main event joint. I'm sorry. So... Uh, we will get to the main event now, but I will first give you the uh, the pick. Sorry, goodness gracious, messy, messy stuff. Uh, this one, I think Pantoja deserved favorite. Not that I've looked at the odds, 
I believe he'd be the favourite. I'm going to take Brandon Royval by decision. I think this is fight of the night. Uh, I wish both guys well. I'm a fan of both. And I am going to take Royval. Not too sure how to justify it. Just a hunch. We're going to say a hunch. So Brandon Royval. I'm going to go and new. But I think we see fight of the night. Royval by decision. Let us get... UFC Welterweight Championship, the final main event of 2023. Leon Edwards defending the belt after back-to-back wins over Kamaru Usman, a man who in championship bouts has twice beat Colby Covington. Uh, With Colby, look, I'll be honest here, like I said, he plays the villain. I'm a massive Leon Edwards fan. Uh, So I will preface this by saying... Uh, There is going to be some personal bias here, like there'll be some things when I talk about Colby it may seem slightly salty, but I understand him for what he is and a character and he seems like a very good dude from all reports, but as a character I do want to see him get fucked up, especially uh, for the shit he's talked. And so maybe when I look at his run, I look at it from like not the right perspective. Because he's been dominant in all fights except of the championship variety against Kamaru Usman. Uh, But along the run to the belt, uh, he had a win over Robbie Lawler. Absolutely destroyed Robbie Lawler. One of the most impressive performances I've seen uh, going back and watching tape. Lawler at that point though, one of the best we've seen. Just an absolute gunfighter. I talked about him earlier. Um, But at that stage, Lawler back-to-back losses, so it was not peak Robbie Lawler. He loses to Kamaru Usman, had a broken jaw, unbelievable fight. Uh, That did warrant Colby, still very much despite losing and getting finished in the fifth round, uh, being right there for another title shot. He would then dominate Tyron Woodley, uh, where Woodley would suffer a rib injury in the fifth round. That was in the apex. Colby uh, much like the Lawler fight, just screaming championship quality. He gets the rematch with Usman, uh, five rounds, Usman gets it done. We see respect from both after the fight. I don't think we see that here. Uh, the father comments, Leon Edwards, uh, whose father got shot when Leon was 13. So just think about that. You're 13, your dad gets shot. And yeah, like, there's gang-related shit, and Colby's an ultimate simp for the fucking police. Uh, So he would hate gangs and shit, and he's like, "Uh, I don't need to get into all that silly stuff, but... um, And you know, those gangs cause destruction, and there's a lot of fucking different aspects. But from Leon's perspective, that's his fucking dad. That's not a gang member, that's his fucking dad, who passed away at such, like, a crucial age in a young man's lifetime as a father figure, uh, which we've seen Dave Lavelle, I believe his name is, uh, take on in Leon's corner, which we fucking saw in Denver, Colorado, that fifth round. Prime speech, like holy shit. And Leon goes on uh, to do what he does. So the intricacies and just how deep that comment was, now it's not like Leon, you know wants to put him out. Now Leon, you know, he wants to, like, properly fuck him up. And Colby's good enough. That's one thing I love about Colby. Like, he will talk the most heinous shit. But, you, like, there is every chance he walks out as the champion. Like, he is that good. If he puts on the performances he has against anyone not named Wale Elvez or Kamaru Usman, he could walk out with the belt. But Leon... His skills are different. His skills are different to Kamaru. And yeah, I just think the way that Colby has pushed his buttons, I just saw Leon's eyes, you know, something snap. And again, there's definitely bias in this. But if there is any justice in the world, Leon knocks him out. Uh, Now Colby, after the second Kamaru Usman loss, he takes on Jorge Masvidal, another fighter like Woodley and like Lawler, who he dominated but was also coming off back-to-back losses. 
Leon Edwards is not at that stage. Leon Edwards is at the peak of his powers. He still believes it's his time. What a way to prove it against Colby Covington. Colby wins? Well, fuck, you have some huge fights in the works. Uh, but, like, Bilal Colby would be unbelievable. You can, like, the presses. Colby makes me laugh at times. The father, shit, the fucking blue coat looking like some George Washington doofus. Like, it's just like, bro, you know, we get that you're a character, but... Yeah, Leon's not about that shit. Like, Leon, from in press conferences, he's not one of those guys who runs his mouth too much. He's more focused on all the other aspects. If Colby loses, I think there's every chance he takes the gloves off. So he's spoken about his training. Like, Colby will have left no stone unturned, I believe. And the more I watched tape, the more I prepared to make my pick for this one, this is an incredible matchup. Now, should Bilal have got the title shot first? Now it doesn't matter. This is the fucking fight. Best way to end the year. Bilal is next. I'm going Leon Edwards by knockout. And yeah, I think there's bias in there for sure. And yeah, that, that's it scares me if Colby walks out the champion. Uh, but I think the gloves could come off. I do. I think the gloves could come off from Colby. Uh, if he loses this one, I, I don't think he's going to be looking to fight a Shavkat or a Jack Della Maddalena. Maybe an Ian Gary for a fucking laugh. Uh, but this is it. And that's what makes this the best and most dangerous version of Colby Covington. This is really it for him. For Leon Edwards, he's on top. He's not willing to give that up. Uh, now, MMA math never comes into the equation, but Leon knows. He has comprehensively put Kamaru Usman behind him. Whereas for Colby, He's 0-2 in those title fights. So, yeah, fuck. Stylistically, Colby's going to push the pace. I think Leon Edwards is going to have something. I think he's going to have something big. Uh, not as quick, probably, as Masvidal uh, Askren, but just kind of that same energy of if the ref doesn't stop it straight away, uh, he could seriously yeah, go for some extra damage. The hectic thing, though... Like, it's fucking nearly impossible to do that against Colby Covington. And Leon Edwards, most of his wins have been decision. Now, he does have a knockout in him very early in his UFC career, uh, an eight-second knockout. But I, I don't think we're going to see that. Colby is so tough. He's so durable. Uh, but he did get dropped a couple of times against Usman. And I think if Leon works the body shots, if he can keep the fight standing... I just feel like, yeah, there's going to be some malice there. And it just gives him an edge. Like, now now you've brought the dad into it and you've brought some deep-seated shit. And for Leon, you think about that fight against Kamaru where the fir uh, their second fight of the three, first title fight between them, he was losing that fight going into the fifth. And with his coach, you know, he drew something special out. He dug deep and I think he can do it again. Now that Colby has made it so fucking deep. Am I getting too deep? Maybe it's the fucking joints, but I'm going Leon Edwards by knockout. Definitely not first round, but I think he's going to get it done. And I think, yeah, he's going to be looking to hurt Colby. And the more I watch the presser and everything involved, this is exactly what I want in a pay-per-view fight. Despite Colby, did he cross the line? Did he not? Fuck, he probably did, but now... I want to watch this fucking fight, you know? Now, people want to see Leon's response when they are fighting because Colby is as game as anyone. And now for Colby, he has to back some serious talk up. Otherwise, the gloves may come off. For me, I'm not wearing gloves, but if I was uh, for this pod, the gloves would come off. So, yeah, we've wrapped it in an hour. Those are my picks. Leon by knockout. Uh, but yeah, fuck, yeah, Colby's as game as anyone. That that's why I love this main event, because you just don't know until they get in there and they fight each other, right? Bilal next up. Uh, I think Brandon Royval 
and get a huge moment in his career, get the flyweight title. Unfortunately, I think two of my faves are going to probably lose, not that I'm anyone to really make that call. Uh, but Paddy, the baddie, I think he'll get it done. And Shavkat. And yeah, you listen to the pod. Thank you for doing that. Uh, but I don't need to repeat the predictions. You heard them. So there you go. I think, yeah, once I watch the card, I'll do some form of like review or, you know, this has been the preview. I wanted to see what happens. Because like I said, the best part is the fights. And then I'll come back to you. No joints whatsoever, I promise. And I'm going to talk about this whole card and what went down and what's next. And then, well, yeah, that's the last card. So 2024 coming up and I'm going to get a bit of an early start on my tape and my research and try and stay ahead of it. So Lastly, don't forget, remember the name. It's now time. We need to actually just remember the name, Bilal Muhammad. We are not forgetting him in the welterweight picture after this. Colby has had a few shots at it. Can we please remember Bilal Muhammad's name in all of this? He'll be there. He'll be cage side. I don't want to hear any of this bullshit chat of... Oh, he can't headline a pay-per-view. Yes, he can against the winner of either of these guys. So remember the name. Just remember it.